Baseball's not fun. Baseball's only a little bit more fun than cricket. It is long and it is a commitment. Like, let's watch these dickheads run around a field and hit a ball. Oh, so exciting. No, uh uh-uh, no. I am like, look at these gorgeous men. So is there a match on at the moment that we're keeping you from? It just finished and Houston won. So I was excited, but it's, Ah. but you're right. It's different than cricket from what I understand. Although I've never really watched a full cricket game. I don't think anyone's ever watched a full cricket game, Gigi. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to be talking a lot about the general conference again today because I got most of my fodder for this little roast from that. I went through three of Rusty Nail's talks and gleaned so much insight into his psyche. He creeps me out. I was recently at an event where a person who is Mormon and is just a few years younger than me and has like three children in the church. We were at an event and she turned to me and she's like, did you know? Did you know? That is a member of the 70. Did you know? From the Quorum of the 70, right? Or whatever they call it. Yeah. In general conference, they had this vote. I mean, I didn't know they did this at the general conference. Uh, who voted on what? Yeah, so they had old man Iring up the front being the MC. He basically said to a whole bunch of people that were in the audience, we vote on keeping the current members of the 15 as the current members of the 15. All in favour say oh. Not in favour, say nay. And it was so awkward as they went from group to group to finally person to person because they individually singled out like Rusty and I think the top three guys or whatever. They showed them like on screen as they were mentioning them and it was just so awkward as he got to the not in favour, say nay and no one put their hand up. It was just so odd. There was no dissenting voices. That's because it's a cult and that's what happens when you have a cult that has a supreme leader of That's the prophet. That's not normal. I know. But you have to remember that Mormons don't know this. Going back to this woman who, at a secular event, and she's like, can you believe it? That's like a member of the 70. Should we get his autograph? Because he was giving a speech, right? And she knew that I was Mormon in the past, and she thought that I too would be equally impressed. Ah, uh, so impressed. So when she turned to me, And was like, with that voice of excitement, which we also call primary voice or church voice or temple voice, right? Why is it called primary voice? That's a new one I heard recently. Okay. I was on Reddit and I heard somebody (laughs) refer to general conference and how there was like one woman that was able to talk, but it's like, dear God, there was only one that didn't have primary voice. Like when you don't dress in a way that God would like to see, you should be shamed. Ah, silky misogyny. I want to get surgery for that silky misogyny sound. I want to go to Korea and just order up silky misogyny. Right. I think they inject you with like unicorn vomit or something (laughs) Uh, right into your vocal cords (laughs) and then they give you a lobotomy Uh, you know through your eyes shit but I mean that's the price of like you know becoming a completely obedient woman who subsumed her identity into the Mormon version of what it is to be a lady and a woman of God but the voice of reverence in this woman's voice when she was referring to this person I have absolutely 
absolutely no reverence for. I was so uncomfortable. I was like looking at him like, that actually makes me think less of him. I'm less impressed with that guy talking in front of 5,000 people. That don't impress you much. It does not. It just means that he's gullible. This is a person who has also had doubts or doesn't believe, but because he's getting paid by the church, because he's a full-time employee, he chooses to look the other way and enforce the unacceptable. Do they have doubts though, do you think? I'm sure, but they put them aside by saying they're doing a greater good. Mm. You know, that, okay, sure, there's tons of improper profits, but if you're doing a greater good or whatever. But really, how is it doing a greater good by putting all of your money into real estate and doing work for dead people? Temples, temples, temples. Yeah, I didn't want to really explain exactly how not Mormon I am. I I don't want to offend people. It's like, I'm so not Mormon. I'm on a podcast here. Right. Check it out, bookofbottom.com. This could be a very offensive podcast to some respects to some people. That I hope so. I know that you do, but I don't necessarily want to offend anybody. But I feel like humor is necessary when you're confronting dogma. You and I are on the same page as that, Gigi. This is all I got left. It makes my heart sing whenever I mock things especially religion. Because it's done enough harm. Just can't not do it. Going back to this issue of the reverence that the women have for the prophet, because I know what comes out of his mouth, I think of him as like Emperor Palpatine from like all of the (laughs) Star Wars movies. Even if he pretends or looks like he's being friendly and loving, to me, it's like he's always got this appearance of the Grim Reaper. Remember, from the age of nothing, they've been told to revere the prophet, just like people do with the Pope. If you look at the Pope, it doesn't matter how ugly he is, how creepy he is, how disgusting he is, how many mistresses he has. I thought they weren't supposed to fuck if they had mistresses. The Catholic Church didn't always advocate celibacy. Like, you go back to Italy back in the day, yeah, they had families. But here's the thing. If you are trained from your early age to revere the Pope, when you see him in his Pope mobile, <laughs> they drop to their knees and cry and pray and bring their children to be kissed by his disgustingly old whatever. It doesn't matter what he looks like because they believe what he says. That's right. It's the same Uh with the prophet. It's pure brainwashing to think that he has all these magical powers, but he has not said one true prophecy that I'm aware of, of any use to anybody that can be verified because they know that that's risky business. And not the fun kind. I didn't watch all the clips that you sent me on the general conference, so I'm like, I'm curious to see what you thought was interesting because I always find incredibly boring. I read a few people's like notes on Reddit to see what people were saying about some of the general topics, the fact that they're still going crazy about the temples. Temples, temples, temples. They have to sink their money somewhere. I suppose. Real estate is where you do it. Well, I did this thing where I grabbed every time that he spoke about the temple and I strung them together. Oh, how fun. We rejoice that more temples are being built across the world. With the dedication of each new temple, additional godly power comes into the world. It is significant that the Savior chose to appear to the people at the temple. It is His house. It is filled with His power. He is making His temples more accessible. He is accelerating the pace at which we are building temples. Increased time in the temple will bless your life in ways nothing else can. We currently have 
have 168 operating temples and 53 new temples are under construction and another 54 in the pre-construction design phase. We are also planning to build multiple temples in selected large metropolitan areas. May you focus on the temple in ways you never have before. Spend more time in the temple and seek to understand how the temple teaches you how to rise above this fallen world. Oh my god. This man shits temples. Okay, here's where I have a huge problem with everything that is happening in what he said. If the world is falling apart, what would Jesus Christ do? He would go out and he'd help the poor. He wouldn't go run into the temple and start helping the dead. Probably Because not. the dead are going to be piling up plenty as time goes by if the world is really ending. Based on what we know of Jesus, I wouldn't have a fucking clue what he would do. Uh, no, but the argument is, if they think they're so Christ-like, really? Like, is that I what you're know. getting out of the Bible? This is such a high-demand religion on time. It's not just Sundays. It is church callings for everyone. You get an assignment. You are teaching primary. You are cleaning the church. You are doing the clerk work, whatever it is. And that requires time that is not just Sunday. Then they have activities during the week for the kids. Then they have all these other programs, okay? Then they want you to spend your free time on Saturdays to <laughs> go to the temple for hours. Yeah, fuck that noise. Are you kidding me? <laughs> to do what? To go and for three or more hours, baptisms for dead people, endowments for dead people, just nothing good for any human that exists on the planet. Well, it's so good that you brought up this intense work that Mormons have to do that just totally distracts them from anything good in their lives. Uh, this next clip I've called <laughs> Stunning Confusion About Rest. He did this whole talk about rest, finding rest in the temple. Of course, it was about the fucking temple. When I was editing this, I listened at about double speed. He does have an awful lot to say. You should play at double speed for the podcast too. <laughs> the boy pointed to the altar and said, oh, that's nice. Here's a place for people to rest on their temple journey. I doubt that the boy knew just how profound his observation was. Oh, so profound, and then he doesn't tell us why. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Find rest, but take a yoke onto you. I grieve for those who leave the church because they feel membership requires too much of them. They're tired because they're always working for the church for free. They're tired because they've got his yoke on. Making and keeping covenants actually makes life easier. Gaslighting. Each person who makes covenants in temples and keeps them has increased access to the power of Jesus Christ. What does that even mean? Please ponder that stunning truth. That's stunning truth. Can I turn water into wine? Because if I could do that. Covenant keepers are entitled to a special kind of rest 
that comes to them through their covenantal relationship with God. It's a special kind of rest that doesn't actually feel like rest. Because Jesus Christ overcame this fallen world, and because he experienced every pain, worry, and burden you have ever had, you can find true rest even amid your most vexing problems. The true rest that doesn't feel like rest. Now, overcoming the world certainly does not mean that your problems will magically evaporate, because they won't. Entering into a covenant relationship with God binds us to Him in a way that makes everything about life easier. Please do not misunderstand me. I did not say that making covenants makes life easy. In fact, expect opposition. I... Why did you just fucking say it? As you let God prevail in your life, I promise you greater peace, confidence, joy, and yes, rest. It's like he doesn't know whether it's restful or not restful. You get all of these things that are restful, but then you're not really getting these things that are restful. It's a special kind of restful. It makes it easier, but it doesn't make it easier. I don't think any normal person could walk away from that and know what the fuck he was talking about. It's gaslighting because the lived experience of most people that are Mormon who go through the temple is not necessarily the restful and relaxation that he's talking about. First of all, you've talked these people into having a lot of kids, so they probably have children <laughs> running around all over the place. They've got to work a lot because they're paying 10% of their money to the church. You are already tapped out. Like They do have a social network of support because they basically screwed you over so badly by convincing you to use all of your time, resources, and money and efforts into raising more tithe payers. And now you don't have time to read the news because you're in the temple all day Saturday and you're in the church all day Sunday and you're working every other day of the week just to make your tithing and the bills and the childcare. That is a lived experience of most people who are in the church. So Rusty, he doesn't have kids anymore. He's so old. He's forgotten how tough it was when he was 20. Yeah, he gets to sit in the temple as long as he wants. They have a special room for his ass. He can go and sit on that pillow that that kid noticed in the temple and actually have a rest. He's the only one that can fucking do that. But everybody else has to get home to their babysitters. So they don't just sit in the celestial room all day because there's another group of people coming through. They shuffle you out. He probably likes sitting in the celestial room all day because... He doesn't have to listen to anybody. He can just sit there. No, he has his own room. The celestial room is kind of big. They let a whole group of people in there at a time. The prophet has his own floor in the temple somewhere, probably. <laughs> does he even know that people have actual commitments when they walk out of the temple? Like, it doesn't take away your commitments that's driving everyone nuts. Does the Pope understand that women need health care that includes abortion? Uh, how do you explain something to an old white dude who's never had to be at home with kids, who's always been out of the house, and has always had people revering him? You really think he understands what it's like to be paying 10% of your money to the fucking church and not have enough money for rent and all the other stuff and the obligations, and they want you to clean the church for free on Saturdays again? <laughs> like, come on. Yeah. So that's why I feel like everything he says about 
about the temples. It's very fluffy language for this idea of gaining amorphous power, God on high, as though there was a beam of energy that came out from out of space, traveled through Moroni and his little trumpet, and down <laughs> through the temple, and right into the celestial room, and up your bum, and into your brain, and your soul, and it gave you the power of God himself. But I can tell you that the lived experience of 99.9% of honest Mormons that I have talked to, they do not feel very reverent after going through the temple for the first time or the second time or any time because it's the same boring BS. And the first time, they don't even warn you necessarily that it's going to get weird. I think it's gotten less weird too. Hey, it used to be even weirder. But Yeah, it's hard to track some of this data. The money, it's not all going to charity. It's also going to building all these really expensive temples. Like I've heard the amount per square foot on these places is astronomical. They don't spare any expense because in their mind, it's a house of God. You give God the best. So if that means Italian marble tiles up and down every freaking hallway, that's what they're going to do. If that means that after the opening, they decide that the carpet is too dirty and they have to replace it all with new carpet at a cost of $10 million, they'll do it. I mean, whatever. That's an exaggeration. But seriously, they don't tell people where the money is going for these temples or how many people are using the temples. My understanding is they're having a hard time finding people staffing them. Yeah, well, that's what Joan says and he'd know. I want to make an app called Rusty's Temple Builder. Just a simple game. You have money coming in and you have a few things that you can spend money on like temples and you also have as a thing that you have to balance out people coming into the church, people coming out of the church, people dying out of the church. Right, and not being born into the church. And it's your job to optimize it so that you get the most amount of money kept and the most amount of members kept by manipulating a few things. You raise the price on the underwear. Uh, Yes, something like that. You have to buy them from the freaking church. And the game will probably last five minutes because it'll all be sped up, right? And you can try it multiple times. Rusty's Temple Builder. Look for it in an app store near you soon. Uh, So... (laughs) (laughs) Gotta build them all. Rusty's Temple Builder. Anyways. He's saying stuff and confusing people. And I think to get on board with so much horse shit, religions have to mess with how you determine what truth is. So you don't determine it in any so-called scientific way. You just take truth to be whatever they make up. And they'll cloud it in things like, oh, it's God. They always point back to that authority. Yeah, they'll give God the authority, but really it's their interpretation of that. You know, and here's the other thing that's really interesting is the psychology of the crowd and groupthink. Especially with that voting. Jesus Christ, the psychology there is crazy. You know, they did this study once where they had a group of students. They all go into a room and they have the lecture person gets up in the front and they ask a series of questions that are 100% everybody knows and is easy to answer. Everybody in the room has been told to raise their hand on the wrong, wrong, wrong answer. And the person that, you know, is coming into the study, but everybody else in the room is, you know, claiming some other reality, that person, after two or three times of seeing this pattern, they will stop talking. Like a lot of times they'll just go along with the group. What do you think church is? You get everybody lined up in a room. They all sit quietly and reverently, all listen to the same thing, and nobody says anything different. And you do that from the age of eight every Sunday for three hours and on Wednesdays. And you tell me what that person is going 
think when they're 45. I've got a little clip here of Rusty talking about truth. And my God, it's just the most horrible way to think about truth ever. And it's not how you should determine truth. The adversary has other disturbing tactics. Among them are his efforts to blur the line between what is true and what is not true. The flood of information available at our fingertips, ironically, makes it increasingly difficult to determine what is true. Some would have us believe that truth is relative. Such a belief is but wishful thinking. For those who mistakenly think, they will not also be accountable to God. God is the source of all truth. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints embraces all truth that God conveys to His children, whether learned in a scientific laboratory or received by direct revelation from Him. Don't equate those two things. I know, right? Thank you. He says, God is the source of all truth. Well, because he's the arbiter of God in the Mormon church. Whatever he says is true from God. Right, because who's going to question him? I can understand to some extent, if you want to say, that the information that we get in a lab is from God in as much as God makes trees. Like, that's a very amorphous version of God. But, you know, the Mormons are talking like that. That's not who they're talking about when they talk about God and the source of knowledge, okay? We are talking about a very strict patriarchal system of information, God to the prophet, to like this person, to that person, and then to your husband, and then to you. So that's how you understand truth as a woman. How a man understands truth is different from that. The ability to tell you what truth is follows that power structure. The guy at the top says that the sky is green. The sky is green. And that goes all the way down to the women and the dogs. And the dogs are after the women. And science is a collaborative thing where people are supposed to disagree. And when you disagree, you try and come up with an experiment that can falsify what's said. That's the whole process. Try and falsify it. It's a changing field of information that is constantly evolving. But there's no new information here. Yeah, so just because you took a class in the 1970s on science or whatever doesn't mean you understand what's happening in quantum physics right now. And we're always proving and disproving theories, except some really stick around, you know? Like, the theory of gravity has been pretty consistent, so much so that we can put a goddamn robot on Mars. Mars. They are equating those two things so people don't even understand what science even means. If you haven't read 1984, you don't understand that people can just decide one day to change the meaning of a word and the use of the different words that we use convey very different things and that has power. I don't go to the temple for power. You go to the dictionary. <laughs> you go to the library. Because if you have the right words and you understand how to use them, you can confuse a whole generation after generation after generation and millions of people to buy your fancy underwear at the temple store. That's magic and it's not something that's not understandable. It's magical psychology. J.K. Rowling invented an entire 
culture. And people still think that, oh, I couldn't believe that anybody but somebody from God themselves could have invented or written the Book of Mormon. Like, I see people who are coming out of the church still, that are leaving the church, that are like, I still really have a hard time believing that Joseph Smith didn't have some power of God. I don't know if you knew this. Apparently, the church has been putting together a video series of the Book of Mormon. Like a miniseries? Yeah, right, with actors and stuff and music and everything. Oh, this is going to be horrifying. People playing Jesus and people playing Nephites and oh my God. Apparently, there's less brown face in this one than some of the previous stuff that the church has done. Uh, (laughs) According to Jones, (laughs) that's what he said in the chat. Yes, (laughs) but they're much more culturally sensitive now. But it's still so cringy to watch. The followers of Christ in the video, they've all got these weird expressions on their face and he's going up to them and grabbing their hands and putting them in the holes in his side, you know, to show that he was crucified. Remember, patients, that people that are believing this, they are primed to find all of this meaningful and beautiful. It's so wacky. Yeah, let's roll. I'm dying to see it, though. You're going to see my expression as this happens. Like, I haven't watched any of this. Recently, Sister Nelson and I had the opportunity to preview the new season four of the Book of Mormon videos. There's four seasons. May I show you a brief excerpt from the scene depicting the Savior's appearance to the Nephites? Oh, you may, Rusty. Go for it. Oh, my God. He's showing a video clip in the middle. What is with that guy's hair? He looks like Mo from the Three Stooges. What's with all of this shit they've got in their hair? Oh, my... Wait, stop. You are got to be kidding me. (laughs) Stop. Oh, fucking no. Behold, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased, in whom I have glorified my name. Hear ye him. (gasps) Oh, my God, no. I know, it's so cringy. That is the worst... And what's with the plaits in that guy's hair? If you try and did that in a real Mormon church, they'd say you were queer. Oh my God, you're kidding me. Jesus looks like somebody out of a like toothpaste commercial. This is horrifying. Why are they all just standing there saying nothing? It's too weird. Why is he smiling like that? I don't like it. I'm a white guy. Look at this guy's brow. He definitely has Botox. When he tries to raise one of his eyebrows, just check it out. We need to find out who this actor is. You gotta love the backless dress he's wearing. (laughs) (laughs) That you may thrust your hands into my side. Oh! And also that ye may feel the prints of the nails in my hands and in my feet. Are you fucking kidding me? That ye may know that I am the God of Israel. What is with these cuffs? That's going to get in your food if you try and eat anything. It's so impractical, Jesus. Everything he says just moves that left eyebrow. I mean, he has very good teeth for a man who... He's a very attractive man. Yeah, didn't have a dentist. I'm very fascinated by their casting choices. What is with all of this touching? I don't like it. Yeah. No, don't do that. No. Oh, no. I don't know. What is this? Oh, and, and the this left eyebrow. This is cringy. Like, this is a very cringy show. And when he smiles at the end, there should be a ding there on his teeth, you know, right? a little star. 
He's like Colgate. Ding. Okay. Okay. What did you okay. think of his smile? Tell me what. Like impression all you got. I can say is you you have to edit all of these reactions out because people just need to watch this for themselves. Like you've got to put a link on this because here's the thing: what I just witnessed was the most horrifying thing I've seen known, in three I've years. Seen worse. <laughs> it is very cringy. Is that's a good word to use? <laughs> I also find it childish. It's childish, isn't it? It is only with people who have truly drank the Kool-Aid. No critical thinking skills at a certain point to believe very much in the church that would make something like that and think that it was good. <laughs> I can't remember what group of people Jesus is supposed to have been meeting here. They've reappropriated so many different cultures throughout time because the church has changed its stance on where the people came from. It's like they don't know what culture they're appropriating anymore in this. They've gone for people that have this naturally browner, lighter skin. Somebody made a decision about the way that temple looked, okay? I know, right? What's with that temple? And remember, I very much was influenced by the the Mormon missionaries that would come back from visiting South America with pictures of all of the ruins and they'd be like, look, 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 the Lamanites are real because all of these places existed into so the Book of Mormon is true. And I was like, wow, I am looking at pyramids in South America, which is like closer than Egypt, from a book that was like on gold found in New York. That is really interesting archaeological evidence of the Book of Mormon. Too bad we don't have those golden plates. And a Mayan pyramid is not a Jewish temple. It just looked like an Israeli temple with Aztec symbols on it or something. Right. And do you see how they're mix mashing the two different ideas? If any of the men had hairstyles that are depicted there in the church now, they would be reprimanded. Although I think they're allowing more leeway on things like that now. Oh, well, that's nice. Thanks, Rusty. If the church is infallible, <laughs> then all the rules that they make are infallible. So those right. rules wouldn't change over time now, would they? God doesn't change, Gigi. That's what they keep saying. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If God is the arbiter of all truth and God dictates what is good. It should be absolute, shouldn't it? It this should be absolute, right? Then, okay, well, then let me ask you, does the church allow polygamy? <laughs> that, now, does the church allow slavery? Not in a way that they call it. But the Bible allowed it. Jones would say he was a slave cleaning the church all of those times. But if your God is the arbiter of truth and morals, and those things don't change with time, how is it that I see so many various changes just over my lifetime? Would Jesus Christ look anything like that actor? And coming down from the sky like a paper cutout? It was so smooth too, wasn't it? With that beam of light coming out of his head, like cheesy. And everyone just quiet and just touching people on the head like he's patting them. Why is he doing? That. Yeah, and it's just way too touchy-feely, and a lot of people aren't comfortable with that, but the church is okay with it because they do a lot of laying on of hands. Because why? How do you get somebody in a cult? Because they always are breaking your personal boundaries, but you do it just breaking the tiny boundaries. And sometimes you just start with the underwear. <laughs> and then you move into their mind. And then you move into their pants. And then you're in their uterus. And then Joseph Smith now has 15 wives. And then you've got the next generation all cooking. And look how well that I worked. Guess this is my new normal.